So my visibility had affected her perception of how well she knew me. And, and I think this happens to people, you know, where you keep reading content from someone, you start to think that you know them. The Startup Student Podcast, the podcast for students who want to be their own boss, where students and experts from across the world and I, Christine, give you practical advice. We are looking into tips all around starting and marketing your own business, as well as productivity to better balance your student and business life. Turn your idea into reality. I'm your host, Christine. Let's start this episode. Hello, hello, it's Christine, your podcast host, and today we are kicking off a new series. I'm super excited. It's the content creation series with Leslie Morrissey. Hello, welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Hi, Christine. How are you? It's great to be here. I'm good, thank you. I'm looking forward to all our conversations today to, for the first episode. Um, like I just said, everyone, this is about content creation and what that actually means, where you can use content, why is it actually important, how can you build a plan, how to generate consistent content. Um, this is all what we are going to talk about. So first off, I would like uh, Leslie to introduce herself. Uh, so tell us what you do and tell us why are you on this podcast? <laughs> um, I, well, I'm, I'm here because I'm a writer. And one of the things that I've been doing pretty well most of my life um, is writing content. But it varies as to I started out writing journalism. And then I learned how to write commercial copy by working with companies who needed marketing stuff. And it's it's just sort of gone on from there. So I just I never stop learning. It's all it's always learning, learning, learning because the, things change. You learn something new. New things come along. Like you know, ten years ago we didn't have podcasts. Well, we, we did, but nobody knew about them. And, and it all is just impacted by content. So I run a company that does reputation marketing, and it's all about content. Yes, amazing. And we've actually met at a networking event and I immediately thought I want to do lots of things with you. You already were kind enough to run also a webinar in my community. And now we're recording the podcast. We also went live already on LinkedIn. So who knows what else we're going to do together. And I'm really looking forward to it. I know you are using an acronym, which I am a massive fan of. Um, I'm using acronyms in everything I do as well, because it makes it just easier to follow a structure, easier to remember for everyone. So why don't you dive right in and tell us a bit more about um, the structure and the acronym that you're using, which will answer a lot of things already and give people already a bit of a feeling and the structure of um, what you are doing. Okay, well, our acronym is RAVE, and, and I thought it was quite a good one, and I say this, this blow my own trumpet, because I invented it, and RAVE stands for Reputation, Authority, Visibility, and Expertise, and I guess in this session, I'd just like to explain why those things are important. Reputation is something that has to be earned, um, and it takes time. It's sort of allied with trust. And if people say things about you, you have no control about what people say. And you have to educate them to say the things that you want them to say. Part of the whole point of 
getting a good reputation is that people then trust your company, they want to work with you, people say good things about you, and there is nothing like third party validation for people thinking, yeah, this must be a worthwhile company to work with. And all of that is done by what people read about you and what they hear about you and what they see you do. So the whole reputation process can be influenced I suppose the word is I wouldn't say manipulated because you you can't force people to do things but you may have heard a phrase if you tell somebody something often enough they begin to believe it and I'm not for one second suggesting you tell people something that isn't true but if you share your expertise your knowledge and you put stuff out there that influences what people think about who you are and what you do then all you're doing is building up your reputation as an expert so that's the whole thing about reputation it's taking control of what people say about you and and that's what the r in, in rave is about then it comes to the a and i i put the a as authority now Authority is about people respecting what you have to say. And it's developing a reputation, and they all intermingle, but it's developing a reputation as the thought leader in your industry, as the go-to person. So when somebody says, do you know somebody who, the first person that pops into other people's heads is you, because they've seen you about, they've seen what you've got to say, they, they like what you have to say, they see you know your stuff. And the reason that's important is because most companies that are looking to get to build a reputation do something called PR. And it's all about getting themselves into the press and so on. And it's quite hard to do unless you have a really good PR company or you know some of the editors of, your, of the industry journals that your target audience read. However, if you're seen out there on social media, on your blogs, on other things that you publish, articles and so on, people start to see your name come up and you begin to become that authority. So that's what authority is all about. It's about being that first name that pops into people's head and they go, oh yeah, we, we need to talk to this person. They're, they're an expert in their industry. They're the authority. So that's what authority is about. Now, visibility it seems to be, well, it's obvious, isn't it? If you're not visible, people don't know you exist. But it's not just about becoming visible once. It's maintaining that because it's particularly on things like social media, it all moves so fast. And, you know, people come and they go and, and people forget them very quickly. I think... People are very fickle on social media and it has to be something really, really stupendous for people to remember you a week after you've posted something. And most of us aren't capable of creating one post a week or one post a month that echoes for, for all that time. Generally speaking, you need to keep posting and it, it's, it's like building 
a house you know you start with a layer of bricks you put another layer then another layer then another layer it's no good putting a layer of bricks and people and saying this is going to be a house and people remembering that what it should look like in a few years time you know because <laughs> it isn't going to happen so you do have to maintain that visibility and for sure i know this works because when twitter first launched and i was an early adopter with all of this um I, I was in a networking group, as, as I usually am, and several different ones. And this particular one, I'd met a lady once at one meeting. However, she was on Twitter and I was on Twitter and we used to like each other's tweets. And so we stayed in touch and she saw my stuff a lot. And then one day she called me up and said, I'm writing, I, I want to do a new website for the company. It needs a big revamp. Would you write the copy for it? And I said, yeah, that's great. Love to. And um, why did you pick me? She said, well, we've known each other for ages now. And I'm thinking, yeah, we met once. <laughs> we've, we've been on Twitter together quite a lot. But she, she said, I keep seeing your tweets and I like what you have to say so my visibility had affected her perception of how well she knew me and and I think this happens to people you know when you keep reading content from someone you start to think that you know them um, so the whole visibility thing is really quite important that you get that consistent and it's hard to, to maintain but there's a lot of ways around it and when we do I think the next session we'll dig into this in a little bit more if we've got some time to do that but it, it is important and it's important that you've got a plan that allows you to maintain that the the final one is e and e is for showing off well, no, it's not really. It's for expertise, but actually it is for showing off. Um, and it's, it's basically sharing your knowledge, not just in short bites, but things like blogs. You can write a blog about what you do in quite a lot of detail and you can tell people how to do things that will help them. Now, the first thing that most people say to me when I suggest this is, I'm not sharing all my secrets with everybody and they won't want to pay me for it. Actually, that isn't the case because people pay you to do things for them, not just to tell them how. And let, let's be honest, we all have things that we are good at and we enjoy. And we all have things that we're possibly less good at and keep getting pushed down the to-do list because we're reluctant to do them. And things that you're good at, somebody else actually won't like doing. And that applies to all sorts of things. It's why I have an accountant. It's not that I can't manage a spreadsheet or, or accounting software, I can, but do I want to? No, I don't. And the same applies to the, the written word for me is what an awful lot of people, yes, everybody can write, but they can't write compelling copy. Whereas I've practiced it for years and I love it. So it's easy for me to do. So I'm happy to show off what I know um, and, and tell people how to do it. In fact, I quite often get on my soapbox about it as, as, as I am now. But then for other people, they, they, they think, well, I can write um, and I'll, I'll get round to it, but they don't get round to it because it's not their thing. Whereas if they know somebody knows their stuff, they're more confident in choosing that person. So if you've got a whole bunch of blogs out there 
and, and you've promoted them on social media and spread the word around that show people how your how deep your knowledge is, whilst they might not actually do that for themselves. When it comes to the crunch and they go, right, I've decided I need an expert in this area. Who do I know? Oh, yes, I've read those blogs. I know they're good. I know this person knows their stuff because they've actually explained it all. And it all makes sense. Now, I don't want to do it. I want to get somebody to help me. And that person is a reliable person to help me. So it influences people, again, about your at level of expertise so that's what the e in expertise and that spells rave and that's what you want people to do to rave about you so that's how i developed the acronym um and it, it's important that you you sort of think about these things and you'll have them for your own businesses as well you'll have things that you're really good at and that you can help people with but they don't know what you know and telling them how to do something is only the first step. It's getting them to actually do it. And at the end of the day, most people will come to an expert for help when, it, when they need it, when they can see that person is an expert. And there are a few people who will read what you've got to say and try and do it for themselves. Um, and my view on that is they would never have been a client for you anyway, because they either don't have the budget or they think they can do it for themselves. Yes, so I, I can, uh, if I might uh, just say something about that, I, I, I completely agree with what you just said that, uh, okay, if, if not, they weren't the right client for you anyway. And uh, that's the main thing to be confident enough as well uh, to see and understand that this is the way it goes. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, and I mean, that, so that's the RAVE acronym. And just before we, we sort of get towards the end of this session, um, I want to talk a little bit about the difference between just being able to write good English or whatever language is your, the language in which you're communicating and a commercial copywriting skill and there, there are differences you don't really need to be a commercial co copywriter to write a reasonable blog or even perhaps a newsletter but in some instances it's really important and having been through the learning process I realized eventually it took a while um, and I did realize there's a very different skill now, um, I had a colleague I worked with for about 18 months, a little while ago, and she came to me with a first class honours degree in journalism. So she was clearly a good writer, but she didn't know about commercial copywriting. And when we first had a conversation, she hadn't actually considered that there was a difference between her skill in journalism and my skill in commercial copywriting. But they are for different purposes. So if you think about it, a journalist is trying to inform, occasionally to entertain and to share information. Whereas a commercial copywriter is trying to persuade the reader to take action. And there is a, quite a difference in the way in which you write to do that. So um, there's, there's lots of, of stories from the journalistic world and having been around the block a few times. I've heard 
some that are probably not necessarily entirely true, but are based on fact. Uh, and I think the funniest one I heard was of uh, an old, old school editor on a, on a local paper. And he'd, be, he'd been there for years and years. He knew his stuff. And he had this brand new, new reporter straight out of college um, who was getting to, sent out to do the village fates and you know sort of people standing in a row being presented with things and he was desperate to get his teeth into a proper story and he kept nagging this editor to say send me out something prop you know a good story I want to do a good story anyway one day everybody was out and there was a court case and it was a big court case going on and the editor said yeah I'm good okay I'll let you do this but listen before you go take your notebook I want you to write down all the details of what happened, get your facts right, make sure you've got everything straight. Then I want you to come back to the office and write a really good introductory paragraph, put in all your facts and everything in the middle section, and then wind it up with a nice sort of ending paragraph. So the, the reporter went off and he did this and he sat in this court case for a couple of days and he took all the notes and he went back to the office and he wrote the middle bit really quickly because he had all the notes. And then he took about an hour trying to get his opening paragraph right. And then he spent probably another hour or so trying to get his closing paragraph right. And so that it was all topped and tailed beautifully and it led people in and so on. So he, he then submitted this to the editor and the editor had a look at it and, and he went, mm, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, mm, okay. Crossed off the first paragraph, crossed off the last paragraph and published the middle. <laughs> which tells you a lot about news. People want the detail. They don't want the frilly bits at the top and the bottom. However, commercial copywriting doesn't work like that. So as a commercial copywriter, you've got to get people's attention in the same way with a good headline, but then you've got to engage them. You've got to get them to want to know more, to want what you're offering and to feel like it's very much for them specifically and will address their issues and their challenges that they're facing will solve a problem for them so it is a it's a sales process but it's a quite subtle sales process but it uses all the if you're looking at sales um models it uses the sales model um and and it's what do they call it attention interest desire and action and that's that's a typical sales mo model that is exactly how a good copywriter will write content to pull the, the, the reader in, grab their attention, get them interested, perhaps massage the, the pain button a little bit and then say, hey, here's the answer. Now do this. <laughs> and that's how it really works. Yes. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, I made lots of notes and I, I want to reply to a few things and just... Uh, stress them so that people understand the importance of this because everything you're giving us are all these nuggets that you're just saying like this but of course they are super important for people to take in and also to um to put into practice and one thing you mentioned also is that testimonials is a great way for pushing your reputation so showing who you are to represent your brand to get the word out there because someone else telling someone how amazing you are is always better than you telling someone else about it um, yeah and my experience of testimonials is that if you ask somebody 
who likes what you've done for a testimonial, generally they're very willing to write it, except when they sit down to write it, they don't know what to write. And they, oh, yeah. it's, it's that would be called blank page syndrome. So I always ask them some questions. So I have a three question get with testimonials process. Mm -hmm. And basically you ask them, what did we do for you? What was it like working with us? Because that's the bit they want to, to tell you because most people are nice and they want to tell you what fun it was to work with you or how impressed they were with what you did. Um, but that actually is not a testimonial. It's what I call therapy, which is nice for you to know, but it doesn't help another potential client to understand the results. And that's the third question. What were the outcomes of what we did? What changed for you? That, you know, what, what results did you get? Because they're measurables. They're things that, that said, you know, before we had this and now we've got that. And that's what you need in a good testimonial is that's the bit that if you don't publish anything else of the testimonial, it's a, this is what we got from it. That's the bit that people uh, will persuade another person to, to say, oh, yeah, we want that too. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. I also um, do that. I give people uh, questions that they can use as guidelines to write testimonials. Uh, one other thing you said is that um, PR is... Uh, not a thing everyone can just do and I completely agree for for example me I don't do PR myself I I've learned a bit on how to craft maybe a press release and something but that doesn't mean I would actually do it neither for myself nor for mm -hmm. a client because there are specialists out there and um, they know what they're doing um, and like you also said writing is not everyone's thing everyone can write yes like you said yes. but uh, how to write and how to write in in the way that you communicate something in it clearly and also get the end result that you want that's a whole completely other thing so if um, certain things can be written by yourself but others should be for sure outsourced um, to the professionals and then um, I really liked as well how you made the differentiation between a journalist and a copywriter because some people might think oh a writer is a writer <laughs> there's many facets obviously to things um amazing yeah any any final uh, bits these were just the things i wrote down and wanted to reply to but anything else before we wrap up this episode that you wanted to mention that you haven't yet I mean, I, I think it is important to be able to write reasonable English, but yeah, I mean, it, it's writing is a skill without a doubt. Be, you know, writing good English is only part of the skill and, and it's understanding. You just said something then about being able to write to persuade people to do something to, so that they understand it clearly. Actually, the person who owns a business is often the worst person to write about the business because they're seeing it from the inside and they know too much. And that may sound silly, but yeah. actually it's true because the person who's on the outside of the business, who is a potential customer, doesn't want to do how you doesn't want to know how you do everything. They just want to know whether you've got what they're looking for, will it solve their problem? And so being able to put it in their language so that when you're writing, you're writing for the reader, not as a educational process from the company owner outwards. It's really important. That, mm. And that's where a good copywriter comes in because they will sit themselves in the chair of your potential client and try and 
sort of say, okay, if I was going to be, if I was a potential client for this company, what would I want to know to buy that product or that service? Mm-hmm. And that's then informs what they will write about it because they they need to know the, the person, potential buyer, you know, you need to know that and that's important and that's part of the process, which we'll talk about in maybe another session because if I get on my soapbox, we'll be here till whenever. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. That was um, already, even though it was um, maybe just an introduction, but already gave so much value and people uh, can start following maybe the RAVE acronym. Uh, thank you for sharing that with us. I'm looking forward to discussing in our next episodes um, where you can actually use the content as well. Um, so thank you for your time and I'll speak to you in the next episode. Great, thanks, Christine. That was it. Thanks for tuning in. And just to let you know, there's a free 30-day Kickstart Your Business Challenge available on my website, creativestartupacademy.com slash kickstart. And it turns your business idea into reality in just 30 days. And if you could leave a review for this podcast, please, please, please do so because it will help me with my ranking. Thanks so much. I'm looking forward to talking to you next time. Bye-bye.